In this edition of Usology, we welcome Lindsay Dunn of City News Toronto to discuss the unique personality of Nick Nurse, the success and potential expansion of the WNBA, and whether or not the WNBA has the right leader in place. We also touch on the Toronto Raptors as well in terms of the latest restrictions heading Toronto, Canada in regards to their capacity limits. This is a great conversation. Get in touch with the show through Facebook and Twitter. Leave us a review on iTunes and email us at hoopsologypod at gmail.com. We are a proud member of the OTG Basketball Network. And now, Lindsay Dunn. She is a sports and music journalist for City News and a contributor for Sportsnet out of Canada. We welcome Lindsay Dunn onto Hoopsology. How's it going, Lindsay? I am pumped to be here. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on to the show. And Lindsay, you let us know about some kind of unfortunate news just regarding kind of the COVID restrictions in your neck of the woods in Toronto in terms of capacity limits, in terms of fans being let into the building um, to witness, I believe, that the Warriors playing the Raptors. Can you kind of fill our audience in in regards to how that came about? And I realize it's like two different countries, but to the best of your knowledge, do you know if like the NBA is monitoring the situation in terms of if this could spread to the states in just regards to arenas around the rest of the league? Absolutely. I think that right now, Toronto, Ontario, and Canada, the restrictions that they have are a lot stricter, I think, than some of the NBA cities that are in the state. So I don't really think it'll get to that level, but you never know. Sometimes in California, I know they're very strict as well. So I know that this is being monitored heavily because this is taking a hold of the sports world all over again. Fans, I know you, I know me, media, we're all thinking this feels like March of 2020. What is going to happen? but I don't think we're going to see a league shut down like we did last time, which is great. You're just hoping everyone stays healthy. But in Ontario, the only NBA team for Canada is in Ontario. It's in Toronto. And the variant is terrible here right now. Cases are spiking. It is not great right now. The only positive to take about it is a lot of people aren't being hospitalized. They're having very mild symptoms or they're asymptomatic. But because of it going so rapidly, the government announced that they are reducing capacity at sports venues that have an average of more than a thousand fans, which would be where the Raptors play starting on December 18th. And that happens to be a game that fans have had circled on their calendars for months. The Golden State Warriors are coming back for almost two years because we haven't had games in Canada since, you know, March of 2020 until October of this year. People have been craving this and to see Steph Curry at the form that he's at and watch them play. So now fans, half of them, most of them actually, unless they're season ticket holders for the most part, don't know if they're able to go to the game yet. They're going to find out within 24 hours if their ticket is valid. And I know people are traveling from across the country to come for this game. People are even coming from the United States. They're doing the quarantine to take part in this game, and you just don't know what's going to happen. We're not quite sure how long this is going to last, but I understand they're trying to curb the variant and the virus spreading, but it is a little heartbreaking for a lot of fans but hey we still have basketball so I'm going to take that as a positive but it has been a whirlwind day and it's just I know a lot of the teams keep saying this we're just trying to stay positive with this and it's hard because it just seems like you take 10 steps forward and then 50 back 
Yeah, your your heart goes out to the Raptors. I mean, having to spend their season in Florida (laughs) last year, you know, and now this, which I would argue is a competitive disadvantage to have less fans than other teams in your home games. Uh, What what have you seen, if anything, so far, as far as uh, statements from players, coaches, staff go? I mean, you mentioned trying to keep that positive attitude. Of course, there's there's nothing you can do about it. It's it's out of our control (laughs) as, uh, you know, just citizens of our respective country and cities but uh what have you seen from the players and staff so far since the announcement came out about 50 percent capacity the leafs and the organization that they're under the mlse which also has sorry the raptors and the leafs they put out a statement saying like we understand this we're also going to have if you don't have your mask on we're gonna really urge we're probably gonna kick you out if you don't listen but players haven't commented yet the first time we're actually going to hear from someone where we can ask them questions is their practice on thursday but before this we've all been asking them like hey you know you're seeing a lot of cases you took on the nets before the game there's players going out like crazy in the protocols where they said like pascal siakam said it's wild it's just crazy because you think you're trying to get somewhere and we're all on the right path and then this happens where it's just Every morning you wake up and somebody's going into health and safety protocols that he says it just kind of seems like it's regular everyday occurrence now that it's just business as usual. And, you know, Steve Nash, you have Nick Nurse saying that they really are trying to take it as a positive and not take this as a negative, another step back, another step back, because, you know, so many of their events coming up, they all have charity events or, you know, appearances to be at. They love interacting with the fans. They can't do it. So right now, I think a lot of them are just being like Pascal said, I'm just happy that I can play basketball right now. And I hope that's still able to happen. So that's kind of what we've been hearing. We haven't really heard any comments quite yet on the new restrictions, but I think they'll still say 50% capacity is better than no fans. Lindsay, let's flash back to when the the Raptors returned to Toronto, um, ending their tenure in Florida. What was the sense of just the fans of the Raptors overall with them just playing their entire season in Tampa Bay? Did they lose fans? Was there a lot of anger? What was kind of the the vibe like? And what was like the season opener? Not like the preseason opener, but Mm -hmm. like the actual regular season opener in terms of kind of getting their team back as opposed to seeing them on TV. What was that sense like? And what do you think? Was there any kind of like, I guess, is there safeguards in place to make sure that that doesn't happen again? That, you know, this team doesn't have to play their game you know in another country if we have to deal with you know some kind of other you know shutdown or bizarre circumstance because of this pandemic i think that everyone's going to hope that this is a once in a life experience that we're going through and it flipping ends soon which i know that it probably won't we're in this for a bit longer but i think the league and even you can see the government of canada really working with these franchises sports franchises in canada from the nba to also the nhl then you also have the blue jays which were the only mlb team here to make sure that they can have those travel restrictions slightly lifted for the players coming in and out. It is a hurdle. There's so many different tests that have to come in here for American players and other teams. They're really trying to work around it. So that doesn't happen again because Masai Ujiri, all of them said it felt like it set the Raptors back a couple years. But in terms of fans that you mentioned, I think so many people that didn't even care about sports before the pandemic, when sports went away and pretty much everything else did, and then they finally started to trickle back, even in that bubble season, they were hungry for it. And then there were some wild games in the bubble and these storylines. Then when they're able to play in Tampa, like, 
who would have thought Canada's only NBA team would have to be in Florida for a moment, which I'll say a positive for the team is they had nice warm weather, some palm trees and no blizzards for like four months straight is that fans, they got more. They already had a huge following from the 2019 championship run and winning that championship. Some of that fans trickled down years after, but because there was such a void of sports and a hunger for them, and then they're everywhere because everyone's just trying to celebrate having it back, that I think they got more fans. And especially this year, that home opener that you mentioned, it was electric. It wasn't quite like finals level that we felt it in there because also we're in a pandemic, it's still weird. But there's just such an excitement around the team and certain players and just having them back. We are very like, this is our team. Even though I'm not a fan of the Raptors, I report on them. I'm from Canada. But everyone is so protective of them and just excited they're back and like celebrating them from the rooftops. It's great to see people from two years old to like a 99-year-old Super Raptors fan I met here that just they're really embracing them. So I think they gained more fans because of the very weird years they've had. Interesting. So maybe kind of like a, a a real life case of absence makes the heart grow fonder. <laughs> Absolutely. I think that is what happened. And I think for Raptors in a way, that's how they felt about playing here and having their own home court and their own homes and everything like, okay, yeah, I really miss having my own bed. But I think that's absolutely what happened. And it's just great to see Canada really, really accept the Raptors. And you've seen basketball just blossom here in the last couple of years. So it's great. Lindsay, I want to shift gears and I want to ask you about your recent story on Nick Nurse um, in regards to him visiting a Memphis record store, just his love for music and his foundation as well in terms of, you know, getting, I believe, just the, the youth more involved in kind of music programs. I think it kind of hit me close to home because my dad is a music uh, music director, retired band director um, in the United States. And just that love for music and his love for Earth, Wind & Fire, that's my dad's favorite band. So right there, I'm like, oh, good musical right. taste, Nick Nurse. Um, so I just wanted to ask you, I, I, I don't think we see this with other coaches in terms of kind of being that vulnerable and just sharing that other side of themselves. Um, what was that like interviewing Nick Nurse? And what's what's the kind of the vibe in his personality like? Is he kind of different than other coaches in the NBA? He, I just get a, a different feel from him compared to the rest of the coaches within the NBA. Absolutely. So I've been covering the NBA, WNBA for years, like more than a decade. I'll say the coach before Nick, Dwayne Casey, still a wonderful person, but Nick Nurse is just so accessible to so many people, but also the fans. And he is loved here by a lot of people because he is different. And I mean that in the best way possible, because you're right, who goes and talks about records and how it inspires him? And then we'll be like, oh, let me play you this riff on guitar or on piano. And he's talking to his players about some of these artists they've never heard about. And it was just refreshing because sometimes I wonder, I'm like, you see these people, I'm like, do they have huge egos? And I spoke to Nick before we had that interview, like I've interviewed him before, but it's just nice to see he's really down to earth. He has such a passion for music and he wants to share with everyone. Like the Nick Nurse Foundation you mentioned, it launched in March of 2020, which happened to be the night before that the NBA shut down and nobody knew, but he also is trying to get, you know, uh, education, education resources out and basketball camps to people that can't afford it. And I just think that's phenomenal that a coach is doing it, especially when he's not from here. And I just will praise this foundation from the rooftops for what they're trying to do and how he is trying to get that instrument. Cause like you mentioned about your dad, when some kids are shy or whatever it may be or whatever happens in their life you give them an instrument or just access to music 
and it could completely change them. But Nick Nurse had this moment that I didn't get air. He actually starts singing Tom Petty and just <laughs> having a coach singing there, just so loose, talking about music and his love of Prince, never dog Prince in front of him, right. is great. I think we all would love to see more players, more coaches have less of a chip on their shoulder and a guard. But we get it. Sometimes the media can ask questions that they just want to rip our faces off. But for the most part, we all want to see that they're human. And I think that piece with Nick Nurse just for me show that he is human and in some ways he's like the rest of us and sometimes he's just a super nerd for music and i relate to that greatly what's his relationship with drake like in terms of kind of that musical uh connection i guess on like getting courtside massages during the finals run like we all know <laughs> about that that's something you know what i didn't ask him about i don't he didn't pick up a Drake record when we were in that Memphis music store, but I don't recall there being any Drake, but I know that they talk a lot and he's mentioned how Drake will text him talking about plays and stuff, but he did say, you know, they haven't actually really talked about music yet. So I'll make sure I ask him next time and see if he has a favorite Drake track. But I know when I did ask him once, if there'd ever be a collaboration, he says he's not at that level <laughs> as a Nick's not at Drake's level. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, shifting gears, Lindsay, I wanted to ask you about the, the WNBA this past season was the 25th anniversary. Mm -hmm. And I just want to get your thoughts on kind of the league. I would say going through a little bit of a transformation since the pandemic, I think honestly, in terms of the, the leagues that have really flourished, um, during this time period, I think the WNBA has, has been really been able to capitalize on expanding their fan base from their own bubble to this previous season. Uh, what has been your overall thoughts in terms of the increased popularity of the league um, the chicago sky winning the title just um, espn's i think improved coverage of the league and where they're going now with the new playoff format uh, what's kind of your opinions overall where do you think the league is going do you have another six hours because you're opening a can of words i could talk about this all day and i just think if you're not a wnba fan please just give them a chance but i think there's two huge differences in the popularity of the sport like we talked about it with the raptors just how we had no sports and then now there's more of a platform, but Zoom, having kind of virtual post games with WNBA made it a million times more accessible for every station to not have to travel to the markets where they don't have like ESPN having a station or whatever in that area, or they don't want to go to the Minnesota Lynx's practice. These links are just shot out to everybody. So you, they're there. There's really no excuse for them to not take it, put it on their website. You have so many different blogs and social media accounts and just fans finding these and putting it out there. So they're becoming more accessible in that sense. And WNBA execs, I know you better be listening to this podcast because for me, my fear is they're going to stop doing that. In Canada, I cover them. I talk a lot about it on BBC out in the UK about WNBA. I talk about it on Sportsnet, on City News. And it's access to being able to do these virtual interviews that has made the huge difference for them kind of being everywhere. And you see them making viral posts and all of that. And I think also the players on the NBA wearing those orange hoodies, helping share their platform because the rap or the WNBA rather is a newer league when you compare it to the NBA that's celebrating 75 years. They got a 50 year lead on them. And I have really loved watching the growth of this and people giving it a chance. That's all I think anybody's really asking for in that league is watch some great female basketball players, some great basketball players. You don't have to say female in front of that. They're just phenomenal hoop stars. And I love that they switched to playoffs 
format coming up. I talked to Sue Bird, Brianna Stewart, all of them about how the one and done that that first and second round and then it just doesn't give you a taste of it. And it's, I'm sorry, it was just garbage. So I'm happy to see how they've changed that bit more even playing field and what's going to happen and all the storylines surrounding the W going into the 26th season. This, like, my heart, I'm so excited right now. Um, let's see. You said something really fascinating, and that was the the availability of Zoom links and you know more media coverage and talking to some other members of the media in terms of how they cover the the NBA and WNBA. They pointed out as a negative in terms of kind of having that restricted access, but you're mentioning it as a a positive. And I'm just wondering, kind of, can you shed a light on that in terms of it actually being a positive? And do you think in terms of those Zoom interviews as opposed to those in person press? Uh, conferences can you get the same responses in terms of them giving you i don't know more i guess not staged answers so to speak kind of more genuine responses to things that they observe from game to game from a zoom press conference compared to what's normally in a um regular post-game press conference definitely a double-edged sword so i know a lot of people hate the zoom i hate it for and i feel like we're going to be going back to this for a little bit especially in the nba is when you even have those pressers now, you're not allowed in the locker room, which I'll tell you, I hated waiting in the locker room post game for a player because you're waiting for like 45 minutes just standing there while they change. And you're like, okay, let's ask the questions. Let's get going with it. But you don't have those opportunities to grab another player quickly, do a little quick question where like, I don't like to ask my ridiculous questions that are off the cuff in a presser. You can't get that genuine experience and it's awkward and they feel like they're talking to a class. But... In terms of the WNBA, there's just so many people that don't cover it and we're in different markets. And I think it just helps you. And a lot of the times they'll give you one-on-one access when you're doing a Zoom. And yes, sometimes there's an awkward leg, but it's better than not having access at all because most of us, we're not going to have a budget to fly to these different you know, states and cities and talking to these players. So for me, in that sense, it's huge. But if I... They have to have both availabilities. You have to have the presser, if that's what it's going to be for the next year, and a Zoom capability because, say, somebody can't make it there. It just makes it easier that you can ask some questions. And it's super awkward. They're like, hey, raise your hand. We're going to ask you, and then they can't hear you. I get it. But I think it is such a positive in some ways, especially for the WNBA, and I think for other sports because if you can't make it to a game, boom. You have sweatpants on, you pop into a post game, ask a quick question, be like, hey, KD, how come you had to play against the Raptors and go off? Why? But it happens. Did you have other questions, Matt? Yeah, yeah. I wanted to go back to the WNBA, uh, specifically as a league and as a whole, the success that they've had since 2020 with that increased access um, and, and eyes on the product. Um Lindsay, I'm wondering what you think. I, I just think it's a it's a fascinating business question. What does the WNBA do now at this point? I we we've had guests on that have had all different opinions about this. We all want success of the league. We're all rooting for that. We've we've had this period of time where we've seen the ratings go up. We've seen interest go up. Just and, and it doesn't have to be a this or that. I'm going to phrase it that way, but <laughs> you take it wherever you think. Um, I mean, do you think it'd be kind of good to like hold the marbles they have now, so to speak, and kind of let what they have grow? The other hand, as, as you well know, 
this league is so deep with talent. There are very, very talented players out there who can't make the league and have to go overseas to play. Mm -hmm. We all know, of course, there are players that are doing both um, to make a living as well. Um, Do you think expansion is in the cards at this point? Or do you think that's that's a little further down the road? I've asked the commission this, I think every time she's had an availability, mostly like, can you get a team to Toronto? But then I realized with what happened with the Raptors, they're most likely not going to do this for a long time mm. is expansion is in the cards because there's only so many teams. You need to have more teams for them also to have, like you mentioned, more talent on them because going to Europe and especially I know that they're trying to get the salaries up so that the players don't have to go play in Europe all the time. Cause it's really hard on their bodies and then the injury proneness and yada, 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 all of that storyline that we talked about for years. Mm-hmm. But I really think a huge thing that they can do, and it's just profile the players they have now, they have to do an expansion. Oh my Lord, did they ever need to do an expansion mm-hmm. and invest in that and make sure it succeeds. But if you go to their website, a lot of the times the stats are old. A player hasn't played for that team in two years. WNBA, call me up. I will do this for free. You need to Mm. update and showcase what you have. I had a great conversation with Cheryl Swoops about the 25th anniversary, and she says something they haven't been too great on, they did a little bit better this year, is helping celebrate and showcase the greats that helped make the game. You go to the NBA's website, you read about Michael Jordan, you read about the late Kobe Bryant, but you go to WNBA's website, you're not really seeing it. And it's not that hard to put a video on YouTube. And I don't care if it gets two views, three views, or on Twitter. They really have to showcase these wild plays and really put it that way because social media really helps excel everything, bring bigger voices to the table or a personality like the... Las Vegas Aces, their entire roster is hilarious, like the personalities on them. And you have Bill Ambeer coaching them, and so many people don't know that. And they roast (laughs) him almost every press conference. That, to me, it is cheap. It is easy to just put those videos out there and showcase your players. And hey, maybe if they're like a lot of the NBA players and they release music, like I have to just give some shout-outs. I got a lot of like Chris Weber going on. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> like, hey, show their personalities as well because there's so much for people to learn. And even if you don't like basketball, like you fall in love with people's personalities. Like so many people don't like basketball, but they love Scotty Barnes from the Raptors because he is hilarious and this adorable rookie. Absolutely. Yeah. And some of that stuff seems like um, just very basic signs of good health of of a league uh in general some of those things i mean especially things like being able to look things up on the website um issues like that i mean is that just um it, i don't know lack of resources lack of oversight lack of attention all of that, i uh, think i think it's all of that mm-hmm. because i think social media and like the wnba twitter really came for the league this year saying like hey we want some all-star merch even though we can't go there we want to buy it and you had it trending and you really have this group and especially like a lot of them are independent bloggers good for them that they are trying to make the league accountable and update things like that and you're right it's oversight they don't look at it and it's like you have to invest in your own product for also people to want to invest in them they're doing a great job but those are such little things that can be changed to help bring it to that next level and it's not a lot of money because i know it's short in the wnba but let's make it happen team let's just make it happen 
Mm-hmm. Um, Lindsay, I'm going to say something controversial here, and you can correct me if, if I'm wrong on this. Uh-oh. But Ooh, is, yeah. is, is, is Kathy Engelbert the right person to be leading this league? Because I just I compare it to kind of the WNBA, very similar to the UFC and MMA. Because it's one of those things you have. To, no matter what you think about Dana White, he is the biggest cheerleader for the UFC. He talks about it all the time. He is obsessed with MMA. He, if you talk bad about it, he will rip your head off. No matter <laughs> what kind of journalist you're talking to, he over even even he's overly sensitive, which I think he is. But the point is, is that he he I, I it's one of those things where I he defeat, that's his league. He like cares for it. And when talking and when I see interviews with Kathy Engelberg, I just feel like she comes off as just. She's just another corporate representative. I don't know if there's like the heart of caring about those issues that you mentioned. And I believe somebody that was really obsessed with the WNBA, really just in and out, just cannot get enough of that league. That stuff that you mentioned would not fly. So I guess my question is, is that during the long run, in terms of pushing everything that this league has, like you mentioned, you know, their social media engagement, all the stuff that they do in terms of mm-hmm. fan outreach, everything. They have great players. Everything is right there for yeah. this league to really blow up. Is she really the right person to take this league to the next level? I don't think she is. But am I wrong on that? You've, you've talked to her. You follow this league more closely. Am I out of bounds in thinking that? I will say you are accurate in how most fans actually feel about her. A lot of the fans that I've spoken to over the last couple of years just don't feel like she has that passion, that she wants to take it like in that direction, that everyone wants to see it go. Like, yeah, don't get me wrong. I could never do that job, but I will sometimes compare her to an NHL commissioner as well or an NHL player where there's a fear to share that emotion. And I'm not sure why it's happened because you'll see Adam Silver sometimes who's not the most emotional person either but still get out there and try to get in front of it or try to help evolve the league. And we're like, I'm still trying to see what she's going to do. I'm not quite sure who is going to be the next person up to take it, but that is definitely a huge concern within the WNBA community is, is she the right fit? What is she doing to help make this game go further? That's not the players doing it themselves or somebody else, because that passion you're right. We just have not seen it from her yet. And it's something that we're like, hey, maybe it hope it happens in the next season, but that's not something you should be wishing for from your commissioner. You want someone to feel like they embrace every part of it. And I think maybe I was misreading her, but I don't know if there's a guardedness around them or sometimes they're so, you know, instructed by PR people, which sometimes is what I get from her. So I'm with you a bit on that. I can tell you most fans are with you on that as well, saying like, hey, we want someone that loves this game and is as passionate about this game as the players and the fan base to make it grow because that also would be a huge change in helping move this sport forward. And I actually don't think really any of the commissioners of the WNBA have really pushed it as much as they should be and could be. So maybe they'll give all three of us that job. (laughs) (laughs) Co-commissioners. Um, yeah, I totally feel you. I, I just think overall when you when the WNBA being such a young league, 
you know, and relative to their peers. I just think you kind of need that cheerleader consistently, you know, pushing the league. And just you, you hear travel problems like every time, just like, you know, you hear teams having issues with their flights. That's like inexcusable for a professional sports team. And yeah, you're having a flight. You're having <laughs> issues with, you know, like player personnel or them not having access to gyms or whatever yep. it may be. And it's just those aren't the headlines you want around there that they're getting treated like a lot worse and lower than a college team. And I realize college ball in America is a huge moneymaker, but you have to help switch that storyline so that they get the revenue. And I just, I am not seeing her do that right now or really have the vibes of the players. Like it'd be great to see some of the former players possibly look for that. And I know some of them are gunning for that role, but you need someone with personality when they are a newer league and they're against all of these challenges to just bring personality that you want to hear what they say, you believe what they say, and you want to help make a difference too. Because there's a lot of things to love about this league, but there's a lot of things that still need to be fixed that are just have been going on for years. It, on on the other hand, I mean, uh, corporate kind of imaging aside, do you feel like she has a, a clear vision for the league, like a clear dream for the league? Oh my goodness. <laughs> I like this is I feel like it's not a fair assessment because I don't know if anybody has a clear vision about anything in the last two years, but <laughs> fair. I am I'll go with them unsure. It's not a pop out, which I guess would mean that no, I don't think she has a clear vision of where she wants to see the league. I just see it way more clear from the sometimes in the league. But we don't hear from her enough. You're not seeing her chances on a lot of yes she completely supports her players which is great but i don't really see a clear vision for her which that i guess is also a problem for somebody who hey i cover the wnba all year round and yeah people may disagree with me on this but i i'm not she's going to be in a couple years Mm -hmm. yeah uh other question i wanted to ask you regarding the wnba is how how do you feel about the support that you've seen from the NBA to the WNBA? Do you feel like that's tuned in at the right level? Do you think there's more that can be done to support that league? Um, how, what are your thoughts on the NBA and their support for the WNBA? Oh, how have they stepped it up over the last two players wearing that hoodie? It was like one of the number one search the last couple of years because they were wearing in there. They're also bringing players on their social media feeds, getting them into commercials or at least introducing them to people to help network them. And I think normative, which is amazing. And I think like, I don't know, or they should be asked to do anymore because they're already doing those gestures and they want to see the WNBA succeed. So I say kudos to every player that has showcased a WNBA player or invited them or say, Hey, How come they don't have access to this? And yeah, there's some NBA players that I would love to slap upside the head for their comments on the WNBA because they don't know anything about it and they're just so offside about it. But for the most part, when you have Steph Curry, you have Kyle Lauer, you have coaches talking about the W, wearing this, and then also showcasing how the WNBA for years has pushed forward social issues and they're getting the respect for that. It's not just something they've done the last couple of years. They've been pretty much doing it since the league's inception. But I think NBA players have done everything right, what they're doing. And I think the NBA 
also has done a great job in incorporating them into a lot of their commercials and their marketing. So yeah, they could put them in everything and I'd be all for it, but I think they've done a great job and pretty much at the level of what they should do. I will always say, put them in everything though. So I'll just say, honest answer, a reasonable answer is they've done a phenomenal job. Yeah, and I, I think that's interesting because you make me think um, there could be a certain level of support that almost seems insulting to the WNBA trying to make it as as an independent league, you know, and be able to stand side to side with the NBA. So, so I guess you don't want to uh, overdo that as well. Yeah, the WNBA, as much as it is the love of my life, is nowhere near being on equal, you know, grounds or level as what the NBA is like in marketing and just everything and the funds that they bring in. The talent is huge. I'll like put that up there. But yeah, it could be insulting on a couple ends. And also if you feel like a player is just supporting the WNBA because it's the cool thing to do right now, which thankfully we really haven't seen. So it is such like a really intricate balance to see what's going to happen, how they're going to do it. But for the most part, I think they've done a great job. We'll see what's going to happen in the future because you're right. You also don't want them to ram it down people's throats. So they hate it and feel like they're being forced this when they haven't even given it a chance or able to think about on their own if this is something that they want to try. Yeah. And also, if it, if it wasn't genuine coming from a player, I, I think that would be really easy to catch too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Agree. And I think just the way that, you know, a lot of these players, both men and women coming out of high school they have huge social media followings they're playing in these sneaker tournaments they're being mentored by a lot of elites you know WNBA and NBA athletes at such a a young age we've seen Sabrina Enescu's relationship with Kobe we already seen um, just Paige Buckers just in terms of you know getting a lot of love from the NBA as well we've seen just kind of that relationship you know being seen but I don't think it's forced at all I think it's just respect Mm -hmm. for somebody else's game so I think Respect game. Exactly. And that's huge. Yeah. And I think, and I know Kyrie is getting so much hate for the last couple of years, but what he does with Sue Bird, like he has yep. a shoe line after her. He respects them genuinely and wants to say like, hey, do you guys not see this greatness that is happening? Because for me, it is mind boggling that so many hoops lovers don't know who Sue Bird is. Like I almost stumbled her name. I get so excited talking about her, but Kyrie, so many of these players taking steps like that, that is genuine. That is not forced. That is just saying, hey, this is greatness. I'm going to respect it. And so I will give Kyrie props for that. But we won't talk about him any other way. <laughs> <laughs> a topic for another day. Yeah. Lindsay, this has been a fantastic interview. Can you let our audience know where they can find um, yourself on social media and then any other projects that you're working on or articles that you have um, in the pipeline for this year and 2022 as well? Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me on. Honestly, this was a blast. Love talking about the W and getting the Raptors some love. Uh, Lindsay Dunn TV, L-I-N-D-S-A-Y-D-U-N-N-T-V on Instagram, on Twitter. Uh, That's what you can do. You can let me know your hot takes about anything. I love to talk about music as well, especially NBA players, uh, music careers. But I really would suggest anyone just type into the old search engine, Nick Nurse, Memphis, and just take a listen or watch his thoughts on that. I have a lot of things coming down the pipe with the WNBA, but specifically that one, just to see a coach in a professional sports league 
kind of have their guard down and talk about something we haven't seen. And also just talking about the Nick Nurse Foundation, which just hats off to him and everyone involved in that. But I'm telling you, you're going to love because he gets really excited over a record. If you haven't seen it, that you're like, what is happening right now? He does. That's a great interview. Yeah. Lindsay, thank you very much for coming on to the show. Really appreciate the chat.